Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. What is up, Orioles fans? Paul Mancano of the Mass and All Access podcast. Going to be joined in a few minutes by Bobby Blanco, my co-host, and Kevin Brown, new member of the Orioles broadcast team, who's going to be calling games on the radio in Baltimore this year. But first, I got to talk about real quickly some of the great stuff that we have on MassInSports.com. Rock Kabako, he's got a piece on Eric Young Jr., a.k.a. EYJ, a.k.a. EY. Embracing his role as a leader in the Orioles clubhouse as a veteran. Plus, the first-year player draft isn't until June, but Mike Elias is already preparing as if the O's are on the clock. Steve Molesky has the scoop on MassInSports.com. Be sure to head over to our website to check out those articles. Now we bring you Kevin Brown, new member of the Orioles broadcast crew. Bobby and I are now joined on the Mass and All Access podcast by Kevin Brown, who is joining the Orioles broadcast crew on the radio. Kevin, thanks so much for hopping on. Guys, any chance I get to do a show where I'm the veteran of the group is a big <laughs> win for me. So, yeah. so thank you for having me. As an announcer, do you find yourself more like, do you like to be the guy asking the questions, like doing the interview or being interviewed? That is a very good question, and I think the answer is uh, I like being interviewed because it happens so infrequently. <laughs> yeah, I, I get kind of sick of after the game uh, going through the same routine. I try not to ask dumb questions. Right, that's but what we'll try to do too. You get to a certain point where you're producing. Okay, we need two more questions, and you've already asked about the game and about the best player. Right, and, and I, I just, I try, I try at, at all costs to veer from cliches and never want to ask, you know, how, how do you feel after this win? Right. Well, right. I feel good. What, what does this win do for your team? Well, it gives us another win. What do you mean? What a stupid question. <laughs> so I try to avoid, I try to avoid stupid questions and, uh, and it, it can lead to some kind of twisted long soliloquies before I get to my point. <laughs> yeah. Kevin, that's... So I'm happy to be, I'm happy to be interviewed here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, uh, a policy that, I'm, I'm going to venture that they, they instilled at us at a great institution that we both happened to attend. Obviously, didn't overlap, but that would be Syracuse University is where we both attended school, and that is our alma mater. Uh, Bobby, you are from Maryland, so you cannot comment at Go all terps. during this, but uh, it's great to have another Cuse guy around, Kevin. What was that clicking noise? Is that the sound of, of half the people turning off the podcast? <laughs> I had to get it in as soon I mean, as possible because uh-huh. I definitely not yeah. a kicker. That's a front line item right there. Um, it, I will say that uh, it, it's lovely to, to share the space with you, and it's nice to just trade in for a different shade of orange. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, exactly. That's a good point. So, Kevin, let's talk about your background as well in addition to Syracuse. You were with the Syracuse mm-hmm. Chiefs, so in the city, but – Obviously, uh, not covering the basketball team, but covering the minor league team that has since been moved over to the Mets organization. And you've also done work for ESPN. 
you have, are a well-traveled man in your time, despite being so young still at this, this whole broadcasting thing. What have you learned along the way? I've learned that it's best to pick one airline and stick with it <laughs> for the sake of getting first class and comfort plus upgrades. I think that's probably the most important thing. That's a fair. I've point. learned that Yelp, Yelp is your best friend, and the more you can avoid Chili's and TGI Fridays on the road, the better. Yeah, fair. Um, no, it, you know, it's funny. You, you, you use the phrase well-traveled, and you're right. But growing up, I didn't travel at all. My, my family is just not a, a, a big travel family. They're not necessarily adventurous in that way. Summer vacations were to grandma and grandpa's house up outside of Binghamton. And I'm from Long Island, so that's a four-hour drive. That's a, about the farthest that we'd venture. So, you know, when you ask what have I learned, my honest answer is, is not so much about sports. It's that I've learned what life is like all over the country. Um, I've been to Wichita, Kansas a bunch the last two years because I've been covering the American Conference for basketball. And I've been to Cincinnati a bunch in that conference and down to Florida and to Texas. And with football this year, I had back-to-back weeks at Provo, Utah for BYU and then in Boise, Idaho. So I, I've now been to 40 states and wow. the vast, vast majority of those are just through covering, uh, through covering sports, through covering college sports and some high school sports. And I, I've learned how much more there is to life outside of New York. I mean, honestly, I was a little bit sheltered. I, I grew up on Long Island, and I went to school at Syracuse. I now live in, in Brooklyn as I get ready for this Orioles season. So I've just <laughs> been a, a New Yorker of some kind right. throughout my whole life and, and never had much of a chance growing up to travel. So it's been one of the greatest benefits of this job for me. And, and one of the reasons I, when I was in college at, again, the fine institution of higher learning that it the SI Newhouse School of Public <laughs> Communications at Syracuse University. Uh, you go to school and you wonder, what do I want to do? Do you want to be a play-by-play person? Do you want to be a studio host? Do you want to be a, a writer, a talk show host? And, and I gravitated toward play-by-play announcer because I, I like the idea of being there and the emotion of being at the games, which is uh, no disrespect at all to folks who are hosts uh, in-studio reporters, anchors, etc. But there is just an energy that I think you can't get unless you're there. And what I, I didn't realize at the time was how many frequent flyer miles that choice would put on my life. <laughs> and uh, while the travel can be exhausting at times, it's been really a, a thrilling part of my life that I never would have expected a few years ago. So, Kevin, you mentioned like the how well-traveled you are and and. Uh, ESPN, you covered college football, basketball, hockey, and softball, and the, the mm-hmm. Syracuse Chiefs baseball. Now moving to the Orioles, how does covering, or at least calling play-by-play, especially for baseball, especially on the radio, differ than those other sports? Because you're you're on a medium where your audience can't see the game happening, so you really have to be descriptive. But baseball is also a very slow post, slow-paced game by nature, where you there's some mm-hmm. time you have to fill um, for your audience. Yeah, everything's so different. It's an amazing challenge. I will next week. I will be down at spring training doing radio baseball, and the following weekend I will be working the NCAA hockey tournament for ESPN, doing TV hockey. 
Okay. And there, there's just there's not much greater of a disparity yeah. in in our world than going from baseball broadcasting to hockey. Um, the basketball is and football everything is is unique, obviously, but but baseball is. I think the sport that's by far the best suited to the radio because of that pace you mentioned. I, I, I'll tell you something that has stuck with me. When I was in Syracuse, one day I was on the radio. I was doing a, a solo broadcast. It was a, a television broadcast. And so my broadcast partner, Jason Benetti, who's now the TV voice of the White Sox, yep. was not with me. He was doing the game on TV. I was alone on radio. About... 20 minutes before the game, a couple of older folks walked into the booth. This one gentleman who was wearing sunglasses. And uh, the friend of his that was with him introduced him, and he, and he said, oh, my friend here is blind. He's always listened to the games on radio, um, but he can't listen this year. It was a year where our team, the Chiefs, and the, the then front office decided – uh, for reasons still unclear, to take the games off the radio and put them on an app mm-hmm. uh, that you could get on your smartphone. That that decision, once the new front office took over the next year, was swiftly discarded. But this gentleman had been listening his whole life on radio because he quite literally could not see the game. And so the friend of his asked, can he sit in the booth with you while you do the game? And I said, yeah, of course. Um it's obvious everyone says it radio you have to paint the picture right that's, yeah. that's sort of a cliche and your audience can't see but but when you are struck by the immediacy of it when you have someone literally sitting right next to you who is in the same space as you occupying the same area and cannot see when you have the manifestation of that actually in front of your face which you usually don't have on radio it makes you call a game differently. And I, I think that day made me a more descriptive broadcaster. And it's an important part of radio to me. And, and it's something that no matter how many metrics we have and how many stories we have to tell um, and how many big picture out of town scores we have to cover, you still have to literally paint or not literally, but you still have to legitimately <laughs> Uh, paint the picture for folks because people actually can't see. I know everyone says that, but but that day when I had someone in front of me who literally could not see was was I, the the bad pun. As I'm saying this, I'm realizing it's going to be a terrible pun. Is to say it was eye opening <laughs> for me, and I don't say that to be crude at all. <laughs> that's, but that's what but I thought it, you were it really was. Yeah, it really was an amazing moment just to to realize. Wow, like the transformative power I have to describe the scene accurately. Is, is something I'd, I never quite grasped until today. Yeah, that's an awesome story, and that fits along with uh, Dan Duva, who's now the broadcaster with uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. He mm-hmm. talks about painting the word picture. Oh, uh, I know Dan <laughs> very well. Dan and I are good friends. We just talked last week. Dan nice. was the uh, broadcaster for the Syracuse Crunch, the hockey team. In that's town. right, yeah. Dan literally has a book called Word Painting, <laughs> which he will <laughs> deliver selections from at a moment's notice. Dan would come in the booth, often during the summer and just sit in the back of the booth <laughs> and not actually watch the game and just listen to me do the game. Wow. Paint so, by, by words. I, I have the book. I have word painting. It's on the bottom shelf of my bookshelf, and I, I'm still waiting for the right moment to read it. And I actually <laughs> think 
Uh, I actually think spring training next week might be the right moment now that I'm going to start getting back into the baseball groove again. There you go. And you have some downtime during spring training. You can maybe get a day at the beach or something and uh, kick up and read that book. Exactly. Um, So, Kevin, you're taking over for a guy who's pretty much a legend, not entirely taking over for, but obviously Joe Angel is retiring. And we all know, you know, his contributions uh, to this fan base. And so many generations of Orioles fans spent 19 years listening to him on the radio, what do you know about Joe, and um, have you got a chance to talk to him about uh, what it means to take over and to to call Orioles games on the radio? I, I've not gotten a chance yet. I would like to. I also am, uh, and probably overly sensitive to it. I just uh, kind of want to let Joe enjoy his retirement yeah. and deserve a time off, and Absolutely. not be pestered by some new kid on the block here, but I, but I definitely would like a chance to, to talk to Joe at some point and just to get his, his feelings on what Baltimore is like as a city and, and how he thrived there and navigated it. And what's not lost on me is, is not only Joe's contributions, but those of Chuck Thompson over the years and yeah. Fred Manfra and John Miller and the extraordinary broadcasters that have come before. Um, I, I choose not to look at it as overwhelming. I choose to look at it as an amazing challenge. To to a lesser degree, Syracuse was like that. That was minor league baseball. It's triple-A baseball with the Chiefs, mm-hmm. not the big leagues. But Sean McDonough was a broadcaster for the Chiefs. Matt Vazgersian was wow. a broadcaster for the Chiefs. Jason Benetti I, I legitimately worked with. I mean, yeah. you go back to the days of, of WAR doing games, and Marv Albert did some games, and I'm sure Mike Tirico probably did some games yeah. for the Chiefs. Uh, Dan Horde, who's a phenomenal broadcaster for the Bengals and the University of Cincinnati. I mean, there, there is an extraordinary legacy of people that have done Chiefs games, and and it it was always right there for you outside the broadcast booth in the stadium. There is a wall with a couple dozen pictures of former Chiefs broadcasters, <laughs> and you walk by it, and you can't help but think that you're part of an extraordinary, exclusive club. And I always relished in that. Um, I, you know, I, I had a confidence that I, at the end of the day, was going to belong in that group. Yeah. And I, I don't mean to say at all that I'll come in and day one I'll be Joe Angel. I certainly won't. Uh, it'll take time. But I do love the fact that I get to step into a booth in a ballpark and a team that's been home to some of the greatest voices in the history of this game. I, like you can either be overwhelmed and, and scared by that, or you can be encouraged by it and happily in awe of it. And you can love the challenge. And I, and I love the challenge. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and not to lay on the Syracuse connection too thick, but you do, I think back, I never call games for the chiefs or worked with the chiefs, but I think back of WAR, as you mentioned, and seeing that wall where you have, Mike Tirico and Sean McDonough and some of the greats and sitting under there, you shouldn't, you should be kind of humbled by it. But I also thought, you know, this is your chance to step up and take that, uh, the mantle from them. Um, and I, I think it's a similar thing uh, with Joe Angel and you taking over, Kevin. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, and I, I'm not the direct replacement here. Uh, Jim Hunter, who's been phenomenally successful with this team for yeah. two plus decades now, Jim gets the bulk of the game's rightfully so and i get to be essentially his sidekick though we're going to be with analysts and 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 probably not on the air together yeah but uh, it's it's a great spot 
for me, and it's a great spot for Jim in that he gets the bulk of the work, which he frankly deserves for the career he's had down there. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's a similar situation. You walk into that radio station at Syracuse, and Bob Costas's pictures on the wall, and yeah. Ian Eagles, and <laughs> Bill Roths, and Marv Alberts, and all the names you mentioned. Um, it, it, it can be a, a humbling thing. It should be a humbling thing, and it should, I think, want you uh, – or, or, or make you want to be better. Um, so Orioles fans are very accustomed to um, the home run calls of, of the Orioles radio broadcast. Obviously, Joe Angel had wave it bye-bye, and hasta la vista la pelota. Jim Hunter <laughs> has that ball is gone. Kevin, do you have your home run call set up already, and do you know what it is? And can you share that with us, or are you going to save it for a yeah, day? Yeah, how, how, about, how about a sneak peek? How about a first look? Yes, right yes. Give it to us. Who, who do we want to hit the home run for this uh, full call? Let's go Trey Mancini. Let's go Trey Mancini. Okay. Here we go. Ready? The pitch. Mancini swings and hits a dribbler down the third base line. And the infielders are just staring at the ball, not picking it up. Mancini turns first. He's going to head for second. Baseball must be radioactive. He's rounding second, heading for third. Everyone's just staring at the ball. Mancini slides in. That is worth four total bases. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> so you now, heard... There it is. You heard it here first. Little League I, home I run. actually, I don't have a, a home run call. Uh, my hope is that if I get one, it develops organically. Yeah. And I, I've never been someone that's tried to force a call. Um, uh, you know, for me, if you try to force something, it's just, Stick. Yeah. The the stuff that Joe and Jim and and so many other broadcasters have done. It, it just it it comes naturally. Exactly. It happens one day, and you realize that's it. Uh, I hope I have many many hundreds and thousands of games left to call, and maybe at some point along the way I'll develop something. But uh, to this point, no. I I will take suggestions though. Please tweet your home run call <laughs> ideas at me. And and, and if, uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll sample the best one. Perfect. And if we you know somebody does hit an inside the parker this year, a little league home run, we know exactly how it's going to sound. That'll be it. Glowing green baseball. No one wants to touch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you hear. So Kevin, you had Trey Mancini hitting a little league home run on opening day. So put that put that on the <laughs> that's books. That's right. Um, at, in New York, in the Bronx. Um, so that's that's sports uh, gambling is legal in Jersey now. Hey, so, I don't know what kind of odds you can get on Mancini Little League home run. I like him, but you're gonna look like a genius if he hits it. <laughs> you're gonna look like a genius. I uh, that's right. Um, so you mentioned you're heading down to Sarasota within the next week. Uh, get your first in person look at the team, Kevin. Who are you most looking forward to to seeing actually get out there and play or or meet in the clubhouse? Um, you know this team is going through a, a rebuilding phrase a phase and, and they don't like that word but um a lot of young players on this on this roster and anyone in particular you're looking forward to to meeting and covering uh with your time with the orioles well i think first of all you have to put a dollar in the kangaroo court jar for using the, the term rebuilding <laughs> yeah well, that's um be a new bit i i mean genuinely i i, I don't really know people on this team from my time in the minor leagues the only guy that i got to spend a little bit of time with and, and interview a couple of times was Richard Blyer, who was with the Chiefs a nice. few years ago and came to the Chiefs as a nondescript, run-of-the-mill minor league free agent with almost no AAA time, who no one expected anything from, 
And a few starts later, we thought, who, who the hell is this guy? And how does he keep getting everybody out without striking anyone out? And, and I've just, from afar, I, I've been so thrilled to see the direction his career has taken. So it'll be fun to see him. I, I am genuinely looking forward to meeting everyone. I have been told by the folks down there that this coaching staff and these players are, are very open and personable and approachable. In terms of what I'm looking forward to seeing, I, I really am intrigued to see these Rule 5 kids, Richie Martin and Drew Jackson, in particular, uh, to see if, if Richie can win the shortstop job. Yeah. Because everything you see in terms of highlights and everything you hear in terms of these games is impressive with his movement, his lateral movement in the field, his range, the way he's approached hitting this offseason. Uh, it sounds like there's a really great shot he's on the team and he just seems like a very toolsy guy from following it from afar. Yeah. So I am probably more intrigued to see him uh, than anybody else just up close and, and personal to, to get a feel for him, especially at a position like shortstop, which it can be such a beautiful place in the game, the fluidity, the great shortstops have that I've seen over my years covering baseball. Mm -hmm. uh, it stands out. So, so I'm very excited to see him. Yeah. And, you know, when they took him in that rule five draft, it was kind of one of those situations where you look at his numbers and you say, wait, how is this guy available again? <laughs> just the numbers. Just, very strange, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I, I mean, uh, clearly this is a, a guy who had struggled offensively before last year. Right. Made some significant changes including to his eyesight, yeah, and had a terrific year. Now, you, you always wonder with the 40-man, there's always a level of skepticism. Well, if he's so great, why didn't it be protected? Right. But I don't know. Maybe Oakland just had a log jam. Maybe they thought it was a, a one-year fluke. Maybe they think that this is not a guy who's going to hit enough in the big leagues and he'll get returned back to them. I, I don't know, but the early returns seem to be um, very promising. This this looks like a, a home run start to, to Michael Isaac's tenure. Yeah, and they have uh, hit some home runs with the Rule 5 draft in previous years, not under Michael Elias, and they have one uh, who might start in the outfield in Joey Rickard. All right, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us here on the Mass and All Access podcast. Your Twitter handle is at Kevin N. Brown, correct? That's correct. It's not that my parents are idiots and didn't know how to spell Kevin. It's that they're... <laughs> Too many Kevin Browns. Right. I mean, you, you just you can't find me on Google, frankly. I'm thinking about changing my name, maybe Kevin Mancano. That will stick out, I'll tell you. That, that would that would do it. That will get you noticed. And uh, the letter N is my middle initial. So, yes, <laughs> at Kevin N. Brown. Uh, you can follow me there. You, you can tell me how right or wrong I am for <laughs> my Oasis take in my bio. Yeah, yeah hold on. America's and, number uh, one Oasis fan. What is that about? <laughs> I mean, it's just true. So I, you're just a big know, Oasis I've, guy. I've got a certificate and everything. I'm a huge Oasis fan. What's your favorite I love song? the band Oasis. Favorite I mean, song? This is, well, this is the worst question to ask because <laughs> my favorite Oasis song is Wonderwall, which is everyone's favorite Oasis oh, song. And most people only know Wonderwall. So I'd say a close second is Acquiesce. Okay. Any and chance? a close third is pretty much everything else. Gotcha. Any chance you can fit in, you know, that, uh, that like meme that's like, anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> You, any chance you can fit that into a broadcast? Do you think? I'd say I'd say there is a one hundred percent chance. <laughs> if you do, I want to hear it. I'll, I'll be listening. Yeah, I want to see. Well, you'll you'll just have to listen to every game. Well, I okay. do. You got it. All just 50, to know. Fifty plus. You got it. 
Exactly. Yeah. Well, can't wait to hear your broadcasts with the Orioles on the radio this year. Kevin Brown taking over on the radio waves for Joe Angel. Not entirely, but he's going to do a good chunk of the games here in Baltimore. Kevin, thanks again for calling in. Thanks, guys.